Okay, this is our, is this our fifth session? The fifth session, and it's called Hitting My Pause Button. I want to now turn um, somewhat away from what has kept you from finding Christ in you, from knowing Him and having that be your delight. I want to start, uh, begin to turn from that and show you how to now find Christ in you. Wouldn't that be fun, by the way? I mean, God who lives there, found by you, in you. That'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? So you wouldn't have to wonder, is God here? You wouldn't have to pray prayers like, oh God, please be with me. Right? Because you'd know He was in you. Does He need to be called from some distant place? What are you doing over there? Come over here. You, know, you wouldn't have to say, God, please show up. Because you'd know He was, and by virtue of you being there, He had already shown up and he's everywhere anyway I know we play things like we pray things like please be with me please be with them well I think he is if he's in you you don't ask you, have to, you don't have to ask him to be with you or to show up he's there to believe that he's there to believe that he's in you is where life where faith starts does that make sense okay Mary come on You want my short or long answer? No. <laughs> Nothing that I know of, especially not in the New Covenant. Because if God is in you, can He not be with you? Is, there, is that possible? And if God is omnipresent, if He's everywhere, can He be over there but not here? No. <clears throat> he is at all times with you. I will never leave you nor... Yeah, but He might. See, no. So when we pray prayers like, please be with me, we tend to go, whoo, good thing you asked that. Because God might forget or not show up or maybe hopped out on the way up the mountain. See how it goes? It's, it's just weird how things have stuck with us. And if you think about it, it doesn't make any sense and it ends up being a subtle lie that if you don't ask for that, He ain't showing up. He ain't going to do it. And God's waiting going, I just want them to ask me to show up and then I would. But if they don't ask me, I'm not. No. You know, <laughs> sorry, it's not like that. So, that's my... So when we pray, like, we're going to pray for the whole thing today or anything, we ask I am really messing up your prayer life, aren't I? Gee, <laughs> <laughs> there's little things that I sort of throw out like candy, you know, and then I realize, okay, that was a bomb. That was a big thing, and I'm trotting on feet. Well, it's just, see, I don't want you to default or go into some kind of thing like, I, I don't pray good, I don't pray right, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But what's going to happen is when you pray, when you say things, when you sing songs, when Katrina picks songs, you're going to read it and you're going to go, wait a minute. I don't need to ask for that. I already have that. 
I've already become that. He is all, he's in me. How could he be more present? What you really want to know is, I want to know you. I want to have faith that you're present. I want to know, I want to believe that you're in me. That's what you pray. It's not so much, I just hope you'll be here. Please show up. It sounds good. Because then when God comes in a mighty way, we think, we don't, we don't bother to think, where'd he come from? Right? So we'll say things like, God just showed up in a mighty way. He did mighty works. Well, what time did he arrive? See the thing? Like he's over there, out there somewhere. And then he showed up. He, he went, oh, they're having a meeting. That whole thing about where two or three, or more, or two or three are gathered in my name, I better get there. <laughs> See? It's not like that. He's in you all the time. Believing that, believing God about himself, believing God about you, that he's happy to be where he is in you, is how you live by faith and how you find him. Otherwise, you'll start thinking, we've got to set the meeting up just right to bathe it in prayer or it won't happen. God won't show up. He's already here. He's in you. And I'll bet a bunch of you have felt Him in you already this weekend. Encouragement. A little, a little freedom from a, a lie that you've been believing. A little, oh, I'm better off than I think. And faith starts to cook. And God's doing something in you. Okay? Alright. So, have fun when someone says, Oh God, we just pray that you'll be with us today. Don't everybody go, Yeah, lame. You know, don't, <laughs> don't do that. Let everybody grow. You know, you'll know you'll be happy. Just have your little communion with God and don't think, That's a violation. You know, they'll be so happy you've pointed that out. You know, now just be thankful that you pointed that out. So, here's what's going to happen. You have learned ways, no fault, no blame. The world has helped you learn ways of coping with situations, of getting by when a situation presents the need for you to do something, right? You've learned how to do it. You've learned how to navigate through life to get what you want and not get what you don't want. And there's another way to do it. So I want to show you um, this morning one of those ways. And it's from the movie Hoosiers. How many of you have seen Hoosiers? If you haven't seen Hoosiers, I don't know if you're a Christian. I'm kidding. It's just a, it's a great movie. Just kidding. So rude. Have you noticed? See? You can receive Hoosier if you like. You know, I'm sorry, I should preface this. <clears throat> For those of you who don't know the movie, this is the coach of this basketball team is the new coach, and he has a bad background. He's done some wrong things, um, abusing kids, beating them, and getting all kinds of crazy things. And he's come to this town that's kind of a redemptive thing for him. It's another chance. And he's taken over this team that's just a ragtag. They don't, they, they don't have anything. There's no structure to them. And the whole town, though, being in Indiana, revolves around basketball. 
and that this team, it's a dinky little podunk team. So he's trying to teach them of how to live or play ball the way that's best for them and that does best. This will be best for you if you'll just do this. You'll find that you work well within this, right? Here's how to, here's how to play. Well, pressure comes to change and, and watch what happens. Well, in a way it is. I'll be right there with you.
keep cool. your mouth shut until I tell you to What kind of wing nut stuff are you trying to pull out there? What'd you see? Well, okay. <laughs> yep. I was seeing, watching that movie when it came out in the theater, and as I'm I'm watching it, um. And can you imagine the pressure on the coach? The whole school and all the audience, all the moms and dads, are screaming at him. You idiot. They hate him. 
They, they have no idea what he's trying to do. They don't like what he's trying to do. And they're screaming at him. And he sits there and just goes, my team's on the court. My team's out there. Just like this. And everybody is junking on him, just trashing him. Like this. <clears throat> and the Spirit spoke to me. And he said something like, so it is with you. You do not play to the crowd. You do not succumb to the pressure of the moment. You look to me. And I went... And I sat there, and I missed the next 20 minutes, you know, because I'm like, I just heard God. And I took something away from that that I've never forgotten. And I want to talk about that as a way of finding God in you, in the midst of stuff going on. On your outline, John chapter 11. See it there? Nod at the pastor. A man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that the Son may be glorified through it. Remember that one. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. This explains a lot of what God does in my life. (laughs) Help! And what does he do? Nothing. Nothing. Nice to hear you. Good of you to voice your little concern. Thank you very much. On your outline. What did Jesus do when Mary presented her little concern to Him? Nothing. Nothing. And yet, He was doing something. He was doing nothing on purpose. Now you know that Jesus while being God, was also a human. Correct? You know about that? He was fully human. Which also says to us, our humanity is never our problem. People say a lot, well, I'm only human. No, you're not only human. You never will be only human again. You're far more than that. Correct? So that's not the problem. It wasn't the problem with Jesus either. But what happened was, Jesus lived in a fully dependent life, lifestyle, Uh, upon the direction and the provision of the Father. And so no matter how briefly, when presented with this big concern, do something, he paused. He paused. John 5.19 says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Right? He waited. He paused And he looked. He listened. On your outline. As I assume Jesus did, hitting our personal pause button. Hitting our personal pause button in the face of real needs. 
means we believe something else defines reality. Something else defines reality and that someone else may well have something he'd like to do. How did Jesus know that this sickness would not end in death? How did He know that? He paused and He heard. He listened and He looked and He heard and He saw what God the Father was saying and doing. Nothing. Oh, well then I'm not going to do anything either. He paused. And so, you know that the kingdom of God The spirit realm is going on in the temporal realm all the time, right? But often we're virtually unaware of it. Here's how to find it. Let me make um, like a a big statement that I think is a truism that will help you in your life and in the lives of others. Okay, here it is on your outline. Everything we want, every deepest joy, the real point of living... The real point of living is found with Him. And the key to finding Him is indulging our desires for Him. Everything we want most, every deepest joy, the real point of our life, the real point of living is found with Him. Him. I ended last session with that. And the key to finding Him is indulging our desires are wants of Him. Really, my highest personal goal, you know what it is? The highest. To have Him, to know Him, to indulge my appetite, my desire for Him. It's the highest thing I have. It's to know Him. And to indulge my desire to have Him. To do whatever it takes in my life to know Him. And to have Him every moment I possibly can. That's my highest priority. That's it. Indulgence. So what happens then, if this is true, then knowing God becomes also the greatest good we can imagine for everybody else. True? If finding God, knowing God, and Him inside you is the best thing there is, and if it isn't, then He's not the best thing there is. It is the best thing. If that becomes, you know, that is the best thing is to know God and have Him, then you begin to think that's, and know that that's the best thing for everybody else as well. And you begin to live to, to assist them to indulge their appetite as well. Does that make sense? You don't have to live to, to be concerned with their behavior primarily at all, down the list. But indulging their, their appetite for God is what you want to help them with. Yours as well. But you know that Satan is pulling off the greatest scam ever. He's convincing creatures designed for the love of God, the life and the power of God, had through knowing Him, that there's something better. Control. We talked about that last session. We know that that's not the best thing. But seeing what people really want is God Himself does take a miracle. It does take God to show you that that's the case. By the way, I would add, ask God to show you. Ask Him to prove it to you, that knowing Him is the best. Oh, He will answer that prayer. Just prove it to me, Father. Prove it. Take your best shot. Show me that knowing You is the best thing I could ever want and that I can have it all the time, knowing You. So if we don't see 
what's going on in the spirit. If we don't know that that's the best thing, we won't look there. <clears throat> so, what happens then is we end up living by the influence of the flesh. We can look at more of this a little bit later, but you know that the monster in you would love to masquerade as you, producing its behavior through you, its acts, its behaviors, its wants, its don't wants. It would love to do that. And if you don't know that there's another way to live, Christ in you, you begin to, un unfortunately, sort of indulge the flesh and let it masquerade as you. You live under its influence. So on your outline, why would any Christian live under the influence of the flesh? And the answer to that question is essentially that he or she doesn't believe, he or she doesn't believe in the incredible extent, he or she doesn't believe in the incredible extent of God's grace to us in Christ and so lives in order to get and manage life by other means. Now that's not dumb, by the way, is it? Before I knew Christ in me, I lived to manage life apart from Him. Anybody besides me do that? I still do it. I still find myself doing it. But it isn't the way to live. It doesn't work, does it? But until, once you begin to know the incredible extent of Christ in you, the grace of God to you, you begin to want Him to do stuff and do things and live life. Does that make sense? Little? Yeah? Okay. All right. So, that's no crime on your outline. We're not stupid. Life conspires to send us that message. We're, we, we get defeated. We're defeated. We're, we're rejected a lot in life. Things go against us. We hurt. We have pain. Things are just ugly. So, what's the lure? What's the lure? That's in your blank there. So, what's the lure? If life mistreats us, if life beats us, if we get hurt and we want to avoid hurt, right, by trying to manage ourselves and manage our life, control our life so that we don't get hurt or rejected or defeated or disappointed, what's the lure? To stop that from happening, here it is. Get it to stop. In your, in your blank there. Get it to stop. That's the lure. I don't want to hurt anymore. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be defeated. I don't want to be uh, embarrassed. I don't want to be denigrated. I don't want to be a failure. So the lure is cast into your water, into your thinking. Well, then get it to stop. You can do it. And here's how. That's the playground of the flesh. That's it. Do you understand what I'm getting at here? Have you all heard this? Don't be embarrassed. Here's how. Do your hair like this. Get like that. Go like this. Don't be like that. Do this. Wear this kind of clothing. Make sure you don't be there. Don't hang out with, with nerd balls. All kinds of things. Don't. Here's how. And the lure is, here's how to get that stuff to stop. You can do it. Here's how. That is how you sow to the flesh. It's life by another means than God in you. Are you with me? It's really important. So I want to I want to make sure that you're you're getting it. Otherwise, I'm going to stand you up and make you do calisthenics <laughs> or something. <clears throat> so the problem we're having is that we're confusing the life God produces with the life we can have, and the two are different. They're not the same. There's two different kinds of life primarily in the New Testament. Two words that describe the word life in the New Covenant. So there's two primary words. You see that on your outline there? <clears throat> All right, the first word is zao. Zao. That is your life's 
style or your style of life. It's the style of life you have. It can be had by choosing the right techniques. That's the style. It's the outworking. So, if I want to look cool, because dang it, I am cool, I need to get me an iPod and a sleek car. That's my life style. That is zao. Does that make sense? Okay. The second way, the second word is zoe. And that, that is that which moves you. It moves you. It's your truest in, inner motivator pump. <laughs> it's the new you that's in there that you want to find. It can be found by believing and offering yourself to the Spirit. That's Zoe, and that's the kind of life that the Scripture says we've now been given. New life. Not new life style, but new life Zoe. Not Zao, that's not important. It's what? Zoe. It's Zoe that's important. The pump. There was a, a girl who knew some Swedish in one of, our, one of my groups, and she said at one point, so you got an, a new oomfer, the oomph, that which oomphs you. And I went, yeah, you got a new, you got a new oomfer. And that became that theme for that group. You got a new inner oomfer. And that's true. You did. That's Zoe. Zao is, hey, I got it going on, I got an iPod. Not as, not as important, is it? So on your outline, when we follow the flesh and the lure, get it to stop, here's how to do it, here's how to manage your life, right? Everything switches from knowing God and offering ourselves to the Holy Spirit that by Him we would have life, Zoe, to offering ourselves to best efforts. Best efforts. Top techniques. Top techniques <clears throat> and superior styles. That's how we begin to manage life. Best efforts, top techniques, superior styles, and which? What's reigning? Is it, is it Zoe? No, it's what? It's Zao. It's style. You're trying to get the right style to make life work, and you're not knowing Zoe. Are you with me in this? Okay, anybody into your style of life more than into your umfer? <clears throat> I have been plenty of times. I'll be visiting that again, unfortunately, very soon. So what happens then is no longer believing in the way of life for true sons and daughters of God, offering ourselves to the Holy Spirit, receiving from Him His production of life, we offer ourselves to the flesh, listen, and its production, and its ministry. The lure came, get it to stop, make life work, manage it yourself. We bit and said, how? And here's how that begins to happen. And it begins then to produce its trash through us. This is how it works. So, on your outline, there are only two ministries going on today. That of the letter. That's the law, we know it. That of the prescription of how to win at life. That's the playground of the flesh. How to win at life. Which always results in failure and frustration for all who attempt it. And the other, only other ministry going on, there's only two, is the ministry of the Spirit's ministry of righteousness. There's only two. The flesh will minister its lovely prescription of how to make life work, which will sow to it, which is why good people seemingly leaving good lives all of a sudden do these heinous, horrid things and you go, what the heck happened to them? They were living under the influence 
all that time. It just happened to look good. But the flesh, if you sow to the flesh, what will it do? You'll reap from the flesh destruction. That's why pastors go boom, they blow up. And what happened to Pastor Bobby? What happened to him? He'd been sowing to the flesh. He'd been living by the prescription of here's how to get life to work. And he blew up. Because you will. You sow to the flesh. From the flesh you'll reap bluey. <coughs> boom. That's, that's one ministry. That's, that's one. There's only one other. That's it. There's only two. The other one is the ministry of the Spirit. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Would you read this with me? Paul says, You show that you're a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of... So we're not writing down rules, how to make life work. We're not writing down stuff, how to get God to bless you real good and how to make life work. We're looking to right into your heart, right there, which is where God lives and where He works. I'll give you a new heart. I'll move you. That's what we're talking about. That's the ministry of the Spirit to move you. The primary ministry of the, of the Holy Spirit today is to move you after Christ, the way He is. That's how He produces. That's how Christ is formed in you. But here's, how, here's what we'll see in life. Here's, when you get around anybody for long, here's what we'll feel on your outline. Here's how it'll go. You and those around you will feel the ministry from the vessel or your vessel. You'll feel the ministry from the vessel. Now, again, we've said before that the vessel is the person, right? You're going to feel what's coming out of them. You'll feel them. So, um, freedom and dependent rest in the righteousness of the Spirit, you'll feel like, oh, I feel good around these people. I like them. I just, they're just, there's, I'm rested around them. I just feel good, built up, encouraged. Ah, wow. That has a lot to do with the ministry, the production of the Spirit. All right? Or, you and those around you will feel the ministry of push. <clears throat> move it. Change. Do something. Get going. Stop that. Start this. Move it. Go. <clears throat> You'll feel it from them. You always feel a little push from these people. Um, the other one is of measurement. You'll feel this from people. Uh, Sean, um, you know, here's here's some here's there's some things you could do better. You know, you're you're not kind of going right there, and you can uh, you'll feel that from people. That's not the ministry of the spirit. That is the ministry of the flesh. Measurement. And there are people you'll, you'll be around, you'll feel that a lot. Like you're just being measured. Why do I feel like I'm being watched and scrutinized? You are. That's the flesh. Because remember, the flesh says, you ought to be managing your life better than you are. Here's how. Are you with me? You ought to be managing your life better. Here's how. And people who live by, by that, you'll feel them. It'll be push, Measurement. And the last thing, and of coming condemnation. Of coming condemnation. Meaning, they're going to say, you're going to feel, you've blown it. You're wrong. You've failed. You've got to do something right. Here's how. <clears throat> Oftentimes, people go to churches to find out what they've done wrong and how they can do right. That's not what church is for. That's what ended up happening. Tell me what to do right so I can get my life together, make it work, and I'll be happy. 
Welcome to the flesh. Does that make sense? Now, fortunately, believers who live like that, under the ministry or the influence of the flesh, they're going to be miserable. They're not going to know life. They won't know the awe of God. They won't know delight. They won't be eating chocolate. They're not going to have that. They're going to be just kind of like, God, you'll see them as perpetual scrooges. Oh, we want to be around them. They're going to be miserable. That's a good thing. Because they've been taken captive or hostage to something that's not at all like them. Right? If you're a believer living under the influence of the flesh, it's not normal. You're not going to like it. So there's a way out. And you'll know those people have a way out. If it, even if it's you. That's not the ministry of the Spirit. So, on your outline. How does the flesh look? How does the flesh look? We know that somewhere along the line of our life, something happened which induced us to believe the lie that God was not capable for us. Then where is God? He's in. We haven't thought of Him as being capable inside us. We think much more that He's capable outside of us. And even then, He's a little bit fickle. Come on but he's capable inside. We thought of him as not capable, not reliable, and so we chose the avenue offered by the flesh, independence from God. Manage your life, here's how. Now, we're going to have some fun. I want to ask you firstly to keep your elbows to yourself, and um, which now gave you license to do this. <clears throat> so, yeah, do not think about giving your elbow to a neighbor. So, here's what's going to happen. I want to discuss, to describe for you some ways that the flesh manifests itself, how it looks on us, how it behaves. Because what this will be, um, it's not you, it's the way you've learned to cope. It's the way you've learned to live. By the flesh, it's how you've learned to manage life, how to make it work. Independent from God, you're not knowing God in you, you're managing life around you. You've put on a form, you've put on an image to get stuff to work and not hurt you, not hinder you, and so forth. Are you with me? All right, so I have, I've made up some names for these. These are not biblical names, but they just describe what happens. See if any of them fit you, if, if you think um, like that. Okay, so the first one is chicken flesh. Chicken flesh. I've given you some, some blanks. Or I forgot how they look, though. Could I see yours? Yeah, so you chicken dash flesh. Now, by the way, please don't think you have to write all these down. You don't. If you want to, do. If any of them hit home with you, like, God, God, yeah, there's my flesh. Dang, ew, ugly monster. Then write it. And you can write stuff next to it, whatever you want. But please, it's just for you. Don't think you have to take notes and all this. You don't. So chicken flesh. This is basically, in any conflict, any, any scenario of strife or stress, you feel like, my God. Get out! Run away! Like you've got to walk on eggshells. Ever felt that? Okay, I'll give you an example of that. There was a day that my wife, one day in her life, um, where she was just <laughs> breathing fire, you know, mad, upset, torqued. I have chicken flesh. Is it me? No. But it would seek to induce me to live through me. If I believe it and follow it, I'll manage life according to it. So here's how it goes. She's breathing fire. I'm like, this. I, I sense it. Oh, God, stress in the kitchen. My flesh says, run, get out, leave. You're going to get killed. <laughs> my wife, by the way, my wife never does anything like that. She never goes, you know, oh, <laughs> never. 
she doesn't. But my flesh, to get me to, to not sow to the Spirit and find Him in me, says, run away. Here's what I did. If she's there, I did this. Oh, well, oh. And I felt my flesh. I recognized that is not coming from God. It's not based on Him in me. That's something else. I paused and I said something like, Holy Spirit, what do you think about this? I'm sowing to the Spirit now that from the Spirit I can reap His efforts in me, His life in me. Here's what I heard. Go rescue your wife. And my flesh went, Don't do that. You ain't going to be successful. She'll tear you up. And I said, No, I'm, I believe in Him. I've heard Him. I'm going with Him. So I walked in and I'm thinking, what the heck am I going to say? I walked in there and I went, um, you know, she's, she'd been teaching that day and just everything gone wrong. And I said to her, <clears throat> I think I took a deep breath because I'm feeling the flesh and the spirit because they have what in me? Conflict. I'm feeling the conflict. And I said, uh, I'm thinking in my head, Holy Spirit, I'm here with you. Here's what I said. Honey, you've had a day that has validated you in ways you do not want. You are not of this world. You do not fit. And you feel completely frustrated in this world. It's normal, I know. It has not revealed who you are at all. It's confused you. But I know who you are. You're the best thing this world has. You're a daughter of God. You're loved of Him, accepted by Him. He lives in you. You're a holy, blameless woman. She sat there, stood there, teared up, so did I, and woohoo, you know, yee, revival, you know. So, <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, I'll be there. That was, <laughs> that's chicken flesh. I have chicken flesh. You'll hear it, you'll feel it. Run away! The second one, NASCAR flesh. <clears throat> NASCAR flesh. These people take only rare pit stops and it's 160 miles an hour the rest of the time. And here's the evidence of NASCAR flesh. When they have to take a pit stop, they feel guilty because they can't do anything. They think they've got to be moving, 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 moving. Now remember, is this the person? No. It's their flesh taking them captive, driving them. Now by the way, there are some people who have the gift of... of moving and doing great things. But this is abusive to them. It's the flesh abusing the real son or daughter of God. Third one, octopus flesh. These are people who look for the angle into everything. You, you always feel like they're just looking, away to, looking for a way to get from you what they want. Um, they're classic salespeople. They'll think, if I can just get a little tentacle in there and maybe three or four little, little sucky cup deals on you, mm, I got you, I got it. They're working the system at all times. Octopus flesh, they're driven by it. <clears throat> they think they've got to do it. They're kept from trusting God. They're kept from knowing Him because they're busy taking the other way, the alternative life, the flesh life. The next one, brute flesh. <clears throat> brute flesh. Brute. This is the person who regularly snuffs out arguments and disagreements and dominates for control. This isn't the person who just once in a blue moon goes, Enough! That's not it. This person regularly snuffs out discord, stomps on, on disagreements, even in the name of, We've got to get stuff done! He stomps here, she stomps on and ends it. 
brute flesh. They live for the control of the environment. Another one, whiner flesh. <clears throat> whiner flesh. Every enjoyable conversation you might have with this person is mere moments away from a helpful whine. <laughs> they've, known, they've noticed that if I whine, I get what I want. If I go, you know, it's just not working, I get compassion, I get comfort. They've learned to get something from whining. There was a seminar I did where um, I didn't really want to do it that much because there was, not for godly reasons, for fleshly reasons, there was a woman in it that was a classic whiner flesh. And so... I prayed about it before I went, and the Holy Spirit said to me, hand everybody lab coats, rat on her. Let them become the, the ones who care for her, the doctors around her. Expose what her malady is, and let them help her. And I went, whoa, I can do that. So <clears throat> got to the deal, and I said, in the midst of this meeting, I said, uh, let's say her name was Bobby, and I said to, said to Bobby, okay, everybody, <clears throat> What kind of flesh do you think she has? It's not her. I made that very clear. It is not her. It's keeping her from her. What kind does she have? And everybody went like this. <laughs> They're like, I don't know. I'm clueless. I don't want to say. Right? Because they had been whined into submission. <laughs> don't hurt her. She's already whining. You want to make her whine more? That's how it was, right? So they're all like, I don't know nothing. How about the Dodgers? I want to talk. You know, I mean, it was like anything but that. So I said, she has whiner flesh. Everybody in the room went, oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody. And to her credit, you know what she did? She went, oh, my God, I do. <laughs> She, to her credit, saw it as against her. Not as her, but against her. And she is not doing it nearly as much as she once did. She's learning to not sow to the flesh to reap destruction and what it produces. She's learning to sow to the Spirit so that He can do in her what He wants. See, see it? She saw it. So don't be afraid of seeing it. This is a help, not a hindrance. The next one. Sunny day flesh. <clears throat> Sunny day flesh. Everything ha has to always be good. Positive and encouraging. Caleb. These are good... Sorry. <clears throat> I just get sick of that. Quit telling me it's positive and encouraging. Just do it. Anyway. These are good fleshly people to visit, but no fun to live with because they'll attempt to orchestrate you to be good in their day because everything is good. We're all good. Good to go. They must pretend that all is well in order to live and move and get ahead. That's the lie. Does that make sense? You come around and tell them about some bad thing, they'll go like this. Oh, well, uh-uh. And it drives them. It keeps them making a reality that isn't reality. It's flesh. It's pushing them. Another one, <clears throat> political flesh political flesh. These are people who effectively say, you know, I am what you need. I really am. I am what you need. Now, my opponent, or my opponents, they, you know, they're good people, well-intentioned, but they don't have what I have. I am really what you need. Political flesh. The next one, cavalry flesh. Cavalry flesh. These are people who listen to the trumpet call of the cavalry. What is that? 
What does it mean? They're on the rescue. All the time. They're always driven to rescue people. And that can interrupt a work of the Spirit who has something deeper in mind, more lasting, more in keeping with the people He's in. So in other words, if you go around propping somebody up and the Holy Spirit's trying to exhaust them, have you helped them? No. Right? If somebody calls you up and says, you know, I'm just a stinking mess and my life is really going bad. I mean, I haven't got anything. What should you do? What should you say? No, maybe nothing. But typically we think we have knee-jerked to make them feel good, encourage them, make them feel good. That's not Christian. That's worldly. That's a Hallmark card. Right? It is. Christian would be, Holy Spirit, what are you doing? What do you think? What are your thoughts? What are your feelings right now? I don't want to get in your way. I want to be in your way. It's natural for me to be there. What do you think? And it might be, well, I guess God will, God's got something in mind. I don't know. Bye. Ooh, that's Hoosiers. Everything says, do something. Say something good. Make them feel better. And you go, pause. And you're looking and you're listening. That's not easy. We'll talk more about that the last session. That'll be very handy for you with other people. The next one, martyr flesh. <clears throat> martyr flesh. These are people who live their lives, they think in their head all the time, if I don't do it, nobody will. Drives them. Sometimes it's just true. If you don't do it, nobody will. So just do it. Get over it. <clears throat> don't live by it. Yet another one, quicksand flesh. These are people who you cannot get out of a conversation with. You cannot get out there's always more to say, always another angle to consider, always another need to express the just right thing. You can't get out of there. Quicksand flesh. <laughs> magnifier flesh. This magnifier flesh is particularly evident in kids and youth um, when they say something, when there's, a, when there's conflict or tension, they'll magnify it beyond reality. In other words, if I said something, what's your name? Brandon? Hi, Brandon. I'll say something, you know, like Brandon? Brandon, I think, I think you really ought to stop that because I don't like when you do that. They'll go away and say this. That guy, Ralph, was yelling at me. He was just yelling. He was, I couldn't believe it. He was so mean. That's magnifier flesh. Everything's worse than it, than it really is. That's flesh because it's going to tell you, do something then. Do something to make that stop. Right? Go tell all your friends and then they'll go and stop the guy. Next one, Scrooge flesh. <clears throat> you know what that is, huh? They just ain't coughing up for nothing. The next one, loner flesh. These are people who believe and act on the lie that there's no place for them in the, in the church. Loner flesh. They believe it. I don't fit. There's no place for me. And they're loners. They've believed the lie. It's not true. They're part of the body of Christ. Evidently, they fit. <clears throat> Another one, linear flesh. You know what that is, don't you? Every problem has a solution. Every calamity has a way out. If you just get it, and I'll tell you how. Linear flesh. Yo-yo flesh. <clears throat> These are people... Yo-yo flesh. These are people who hear in their heads, you can do it one moment and no, you can't the next. So they're up, they're down. They're up, they're down. They're up, they're down. They're living by the flesh. The flesh has them. A um, couple more here. I-R-Y-W flesh. 
I-R-Y-W, flesh. In other words, I'm right, you're wrong, flesh. <clears throat> this brand of flesh, it's not them. It comes through them, just as the behavior of the flesh does. This kind of flesh always looks for the wrong in others because it just has to be right. Always gets the last word. That's flesh. It's not the person. It's kept them from finding God inside. They don't pause. They react. The flesh goes, do this, say this. You'll get what you want. They don't pause. They react. <clears throat> Another one. Fixer upper flesh. Fixer upper flesh. Nearly everyone you meet begs the just right touch which will make them just right for the marketplace. So everybody you meet, you can help them. You can fix them. You can help them. You can be for them. <clears throat> Maybe you ought to leave them alone. Or at least you ought to pause. It keeps you from pausing and listening to the Spirit who might have something else He's doing. See what I'm saying? These are knee-jerk offerings. They're just a quick little, do this, fix them, go this way, do that, here, do that. And we take it. And that's the alternate way of living by the flesh and not by the Spirit. Last one, my favorite, proctologist flesh. <clears throat> proctologist flesh. These fleshly-driven people over-examine everything, including you and everything you say. You will feel uncomfortable around them. You know anybody who has proctologist flesh? They want to know everything in there. I dated a girl who was like that. Oh my gosh. Loved her like crazy. Couldn't stand her. She was always... Oh my gosh. She questioned everything I did, everything I thought. Behind everything I said, there was an inner motive. I felt like I was being examined, like she was putting on a glove every time I got near her. You know, I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, I don't want anything to do with you. She had proctologist flesh. Now, here's why she had it. She was securing life. She wanted to rub out risk. She wanted to know everything about anybody she was going to be with because they could hurt her if she didn't. So she examined everybody. It kept her captive. It kept her to this thing, this lie, this linear thinking that if I get it right, my life will go right. She didn't know the Spirit of God in her. She didn't know Christ in her. He wasn't formed in her. Does that make sense? So... I want to remind you again, is this the person? It's not. Should we point out their flesh? Oh, be so careful. Be so careful. Because if they don't know what you know, they'll think you just pissed off at them. If you go to somebody and you say, get your little proctologist flesh monster away from me, they're going to go, what are you talking about? Well, you know how you are. You just examine me over everything. That's what you do. And they'll go, nice retreat? <laughs> Be careful. Just know that they're being captive. They're being held to something. They're living according to a lie. And it's abusing them. You can help them. But not by pointing out their flesh so much as pointing out God lives in you. How do you find Him there? That's the biggest question. Remember, believe God about Himself, believe God about you. You notice I didn't do this first? Right? You all would have paid attention to it. But I didn't do it first because I'm not going to major on this. This isn't the point. It's an aspect of your life that you need to see. But the life you live is found in Christ in you. This can take that away. So, on your outline. Some of us, or some of these, are a part of our natural, a part of it, God-given personality type. 
Some of these are part of our natural God-given personality type. Does that make sense? Some of us are simply wired by God to notice people. We really are. It's just that we're not waiting, but rushing into the conflict, rushing into the scene too soon, wanting and working to get something done. Does that make sense? We're, we're just, well, that's how I am. I don't know how it is. Just wake up. And wait a minute. No, it didn't. Pause. And you look for Christ. Look for His leading. Look for His provision in you. You'll find Him there. Romans 7, 6. <clears throat> Read that with me, would you? But now by dying to what once bound us, what was that, by the way? The linear lie, the law, the prescription of how to get life right. We're dying to that. We have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. With me? Father, thank You that we are not flesh. We are not the monster within. We have it, but we're not that way. And to learn to mature, to learn to grow, to learn to find Him in us, we, we, we just need to pause and listen and look and pay attention to God in us who would love to work through us. That is your gift to us. That's how to live. What a thrill it is for me in my life. I love finding you within me, indulging my delight, indulging my desire for you to find you there. And we can all do it. In the face of conflict, in the face of pressure, pausing, believing, doing a believing movement of I know he's in me, I'm going to look for him. I'm going to listen for him. That finds you. It's a move of faith. Not just, I'm not going to do anything. It's an act of faith to pause, to hit our pause button and look within. Listen for you. That you may produce what you're like, your feelings, your thoughts toward people. That Christ in us would be glorified. And we would love it. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.